everybody, welcome back to Q-Tips. We're the Video Store Junkies, and we are back once again to bring you a few selections to watch over the weekend on streaming. And we're going to jump right into it, and I'm going to pass this over to Bill. Hey! Okay, so my theme for today is pre-code, because last week's Madam Satan got reminded me of just how much I love pre-code. And if you're not familiar, um, I, I don't know exactly what year it all went to hell, but up to about the mid-30s or so, they could make movies about anything they wanted to. And, and you're thinking, well, yeah, it was 1930s. They were, they were skittish about things. No, they weren't. They pre, uh, the pre-code movies tackled all kinds of stuff. Yes, they weren't as gratuitously over the top and showing you everything, but the themes could be pretty extreme. And then the code came along because everybody got into a big satanic panic about you know, how movies were responsible for all the bad morals in the world. And then everything mm -hmm. just went straight. And, uh, but if you can find those pre-code films, whoosh, there's some fun times there. And my first one is a classic. This is one of, I think, one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It would definitely be in my top ten for uh, horror films. From 1932, in fact, I think both films today are from 1932. Based on a novel by H.G. Wells, it is Island of Lost Souls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this has Charles Lawton in a fantastic performance as uh, Dr. Moreau. And uh, Kathleen Burke is the Panther Woman, which kind of gives away. I mean, you know, it's like, oh. <laughs> Halfway through the movie, you find out that she's actually a panther. Like, everyone on this island, yeah. except for Dr. Moreau and his assistant, were carved from animals. So I don't know why we're supposed to be shocked that this obviously feline <laughs> girl, whose build is the Panther Woman, turns out to be... <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so check this out. about a sailor who is stranded on an island where Dr. Moreau and his assistant... Um, are literally carving animals into humans. Because they didn't know anything about genetics back then, so they just thought if you just kept chopping away and breaking the bones and carving the muscles, and you could turn an animal into a human, more or less. And so they're on this island, he discovers this, and of course there's also the beautiful panther woman, and... Um, so, uh, Dr. Moreau, he's had some luck. I mean, you know, I mean, listen, as far as animals go, they're pretty, they're pretty human-ish. They talk, they, um, you know, yeah. they walk on two legs, they've got... Oh, no. Uh, belt the law. What is the law? Not to walk on all fours. That is the law. Are we not men? Devo! Yeah, it's great. <laughs> So he's done a good job, but he's not happy. Like all these mad scientists, he's not happy with what he's done. He uh, has to go one further. The panther woman is be definitely the best one he's ever had, but he has a question. Mm. Would, she be w would she be able to have sex with a human and maybe have children? And that's what he's going to do with this guy. So uh, just, just let's, let's review here. We've got um, no, vivisection. This movie was banned in England for over 30 years. Because they're really big on animal rights back there. And here's a guy, you know, supposedly carving gorillas and bears into humans. Um, it's got bestiality. It's got perversion. You might ask yourself, okay, if he's so curious about whether or not the panther woman can have viable... Why doesn't he or his assistant, you know, do the deed? And although it's not blatantly explained, it's pretty clear Moreau and his assistant are not interested in the ladies. This, this stuff is... Busting taboos left and right. And it ends in one of the most horrific 
finals ever where the creatures yeah. finally have their vengeance on it's again it's not shown but you hear it and if you've got imagination you fill in the blanks and it's this guy goes out in one of the worst ways ever sure he deserves it lawton is fantastic i've always loved him as an actor and he is having so much fun camping it up here and it's it's great Boy, this is just one one of the all time best. Good luck finding it. It's never streaming anywhere. Mm. It's on the uh, it, it's on Internet Archive <laughs> legally, not legally. Who the hell knows? Um, you know, but this this should be always available. It's just so good, and it, it's it's beautifully filmed. It does. I don't know if it has any music at all, which gives it that. A lot of these pre code movies don't have a lot of music to go with them. Um, man, it's great. So, Island of Lost Souls, one of the greatest horror movies ever made. They've been trying to remake it ever since, and boy, they're terrible. Every remake mm. of, of this has just been awful, including the, the famous one with Marlon Brando. Terrible movie, but it inspired a fantastic documentary about the making of that terrible movie. Uh, Lost Soul, the, the... What is it? The Lost Soul, the, lo oh. the uh, Lost Film of Richard Stanley. Um, I don't know. Look up Richard Stanley. And, and uh, watch the documentary where, oh boy, Al Kilmer is going to spend an eternity in hell. Oh, jeez. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm making the call. Um, anyway, so let me throw this to the lovely Renee. Well, thank you. My first recommendation is a sequel. If you'll remember, I forget when I did it. I should look it up because I have the thing right in front of me recommended a movie called when a stranger calls hmm. and yes and i am here to bring you when a stranger calls back uh, this <laughs> <laughs> i know Great it's the title. funniest title i know uh it has a uh, carol king uh from the first one and um the gentleman whose name i can't remember he came back he was great hmm. um and jill sholin uh she did a lot of like 80s Kind of like B movie horror kind of stuff. If you saw her, you would you would know who I'm talking about. Um, so she was good in this. Uh, she will she features a lot of really bad haircuts and um, uh, blazers. So there you go. Um, anyhow, so Carol uh, Kane, she was in the original. She was the babysitter who dealt with this stranger and. Now she works as a director of women's services at a local college where uh, Jill happened to experience the same situation. Um, and so basically they are dealing with everything while this mysterious stranger is stalking uh, Jill. I cannot remember her character's name. And I apologize because Jill is the name of Carol's character. So please forgive me if this is very confusing. Yeah, this is fun. It was a fun little suspenseful movie. And I think um, <laughs> there's two things about it. There's this scene in this movie I saw when I was a kid, and it has stayed with me my entire life. Mm. Um, <laughs> and there's a line that I wish had stayed with me my whole life. But when I was a child, I just didn't realize the magnitude <laughs> of this line, which is, this is going to sound crazy, but we're looking for a ventriloquist. Oh, wow. That doesn't sound crazy at all. That should be everyone's <laughs> default. 
<laughs> so yeah, my my suggestion is when a stranger calls back, and you can watch that on Tubi, Pluto, or Brevi. And I'm gonna pass this over to Paul. Why? Thank you, Renee. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, what could be funnier than than uh, um, genocide? So uh, uh, the uh, I'm uh, the, Actually, the 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 document. I'm the, my film I'm recommending is actually a documentary. And it deals with that. It's called The Last Laugh. It's from 2014, 2016. And it is uh, by director Fern Perlstein. And it is based on the book by, oh, I had it here for a second now, by Kent Kirschenbaum. And it's basically, can you make jokes about the Holocaust? And it, it has uh, interviews with comedians like, Gilbert Godfrey, Rob Reiner, <laughs> Mel Brooks, Sarah Silverman, Carl Reiner, and it also has interviews with Holocaust survivors. And it's interesting because it doesn't necessarily come down on really either side of it. It kind of explores the the um, you know is there a purpose behind it? It's actually it also is it's also is funny. It's it's also um uh it's real interesting. I mean, it's you know like Mel Brooks is like, look, I've I made my career off of making fun of the Nazis, but I cannot make Holocaust jokes. I can't do that. Versus, you know, then you have Sarah Silverman, yeah. who, you know, she she throws them out left and right. And so it's kind of interesting that, like, their discussion of what's the purpose of it, does it worthwhile? And it was really neat to see. They even have Robert Clary, if uh, you remember from, from Hogan's Heroes, because mm. he actually was in, a, in the concentration camps, and he survived by being an entertainer. Um... And so it's really kind of fascinating. I think the most interesting stuff is the, uh, um, is the are the the Holocaust survivors and sort of their differing opinions on it as well. Sure. So uh, fascinating. I think I left off where this is playing. Um, this is playing on depending upon who you ask. Uh, Roku Channel, Canopy, Fandor, uh, Plex, Filmzy, and of course I saw it where where did I see it? Tubi. 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 It is a fascinating documentary. It is, um, it is really well worth watching. So, uh, speaking of uh, things worth watching, I'll pass this to Bill. Hey, okay. So this next one, nobody champions this film except for me. Um, <laughs> is the very definition of the word problematic? I don't know where you're going to find it. I think you can get it from Warner Brothers archives, and I would urge you to do so before you're not able to. It is 1932's Edward G. Robinson vehicle, A Hatchet Man. And it's about... Oh, no. Oh, it is, it is a, oh. It's based on the uh, play The Honorable Mr. Wong. It's about a um, hatchet man, basically an enforcer for the Chinese Tongs in San Francisco back when they were having uh, gang wars that make the, the Corleones look like pikers. Um... Yeah, so he is, um, <laughs> what can I say? He is a hatchet man, Edward G. Robinson. Now you might say, whoa, wait a minute, the Tongs, weren't they Chinese? Yes, and Edward G. Robinson uh, plays a Chinese guy, as does other non-Chinese people, like um, Leo G. Carroll, um, and, uh, oh gosh, who else was in this movie? Um, da, 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 Loretta Young. Okay, so they're all Caucasian actors, uh, many of them Jewish, a couple of them Irish, none of them even a little bit Chinese. And uh, some of them, they bothered to actually put some appliances on their eyes. For uh, Loretta Young, they definitely did. She actually, she pulls it off pretty well. 
Uh, Edward G. Robinson just squints. And uh, Leo G. Carroll just closes his eyes. It's the most amazing thing ever. He, I don't know how he doesn't bump into things. His, his imitation of a Chinese person is literally a white guy walking around with his eyes closed and smiling a lot. So now, if that, if that turns you off, uh, there's nothing I can say. Uh, you're, you're not going to like this movie. It was a different time. They, um, they basically, the, the problem they discovered is that you could get away with having uh, people play Asian characters unless you had actual Asians around them, and then it was kind of obvious. The only time that that seemed to work for some reason were the Charlie Chan movies, where Charlie Chan himself was always a white guy, and his number one son was, you know, was played by a Japanese guy, although he's supposed to be Chinese. Eh, still close. Um, anyway, so there are no Chinese people in this movie, including the scene that is set in China. Uh, yeah. So there's that. And again, if that bothers you, uh, you don't, don't, don't inflict this on yourself. This movie is wonderful. This movie, I mean, the story. Ignore the fact that, you know, listen, back then there weren't enough Chinese actors in Hollywood that they could make this movie. It was either Edward G. Robinson or nothing. And, and if that really bothers you, again, keep in mind... Uh-oh. And it's like, look, the movie exists. Can I get any enjoyment out of it? Yeah, and I love this film because it is so achingly romantic. He's a hatchet man. He is ordered to kill his boyhood friend, the, the guy he grew up with and everything. And honor, it's all about honor. Honor dictates that he must do this. And actually his friend is cool with it because better that he be killed by his friend than just slaughtered by, by someone else. But he extracts a promise. He leaves him all his money and everything. Also leaves him, he's a widower, leaves him his daughter, his young daughter, and makes him promise that she will never never know a moment of unhappiness, that when she comes of age, he will marry her and keep her happy forever. So flash forward 18 years later, everyone's doing pretty well. There aren't many wars anymore. And uh, she's now grown up into this beautiful young woman. Edward G. Robinson, he was 20, looked like he was 50. And when he died at the age of 79, looked like he was 54. It's just one of those things. You know, he's one of those guys, he got old early and stayed that way for a long time. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's going to marry her, but, uh, and she's okay with that because honor, duty, blah, blah, blah. But then she falls for this weasel. Oh, this dick cheese is one of the, mo the biggest douchebags in movie history. This oily, uh, low-rent gangster guy who comes in and sweeps her off her feet. He's also not Chinese, but he's trying real hard. And... Um, so, you know, and now, honor dictates, he finds them together in a passionate embrace. He should kill them with his axe, but he remembers his promise that she will, he will never have a, a moment of unhappiness. And though his heart, his big old Edward G. Robinson heart is breaking, he allows them to leave and be happy together, which so disgraces him in the face of the gangs that they, they cast him out, and he's like working on a farm, picking up bok choy, and, and gets a letter from her things are pretty bad they got deported to china because he was dealing in narcotics yeah this is one of those pre-code movies where they talk about that now she's she's a she's a hooker she's working in a bordello and uh he gets himself on a boat you get to see ever g robinson shirtless shoving coal yeah. into a furnace so there's something off the bucket list gets there and then in, in the final and i'm telling you if you can put aside the obvious racism and, and everything else, uh, if this doesn't like stir your heart, something's missing in your life. This guy, you know, these two, everything they've gone through, there is still this love there. And he goes to this place and all by himself, 
gets her back. It's got a great pre-code ending that a few years later they never would have been able to do, and I don't want to spoil it because it is definitely one of the best things in the movie. If this doesn't sound like your cup of tea, I still say go to YouTube, look up the Hatchet Man ending, and you can see the last yeah. few minutes where Edward G. Robinson, like a freaking boss, goes into this place outnumbered by a bunch of people pretending to be Chinese who aren't even trying at this point. It's Seriously, it looks like she calls her goons over. The lady in charge, the madam, calls her goons over. Looks like the freaking Bowery boys. They're not even trying to be <laughs> Chinese. But okay. And, and yeah. Does, does well, I thought you said you weren't going to spoil the ending. I'm not. But <laughs> okay. I'm not going <laughs> to. No, no. It's, no it's just, it was the whole film. It's so good. It's so good. I, this is one of my favorite romantic movies. Because it is. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so weird. And I guess I've always loved Edward G. Robinson. No, that was just a time when a guy who was not particularly attractive, definitely not Chinese, he was Jewish, although nobody knew that, but uh, could get away with all kinds of stuff. Not a pretty boy, but man, what an actor. I love his stuff. And, and I could do a pretty good Edward G. Robinson impersonation, but now it just goes right over the heads of the kids in class. None of them get it, except, <laughs> except for the ones who watch Bugs Bunny, because Bugs Bunny would do it a lot. Here's the sad thing. Yeah. That number of kids that watch Bugs Bunny and gets it dwindles every year and it is no wonder to me that we this country is rapidly going to hell in a handbasket <laughs> no yeah yeah Bugs Bunny that's it yeah if it weren't for Bugs Bunny I wouldn't know anything about opera mm-hmm. well, that's the hatchet man good luck finding it um I, it is on internet archive which again legally, who the hell knows everything is download it while you can because one day it'll be gone and I send this over to the lovely Renee. Thank you. So I'm pretty excited about this next one because I have a feeling it's, I don't know when the last time was you thought about this movie, but I'm hoping it was potentially as somewhat as random as Blue Monkey. Anyhow, so my next recommendation also stars Jill Sholin. Uh, it also has Dee Wallace and Tom Villard. And I will tell you this Tom Villard, he is really great performance in this movie. If you have any familiarity with him at all, I really would recommend watching this just to see his performance because it's outstanding. Um, unfortunately, I do believe it was the last movie that he worked on. He passed away a few years later. So this movie is called Popcorn. Oh, yeah. Yay. Uh, it has, it's basically some drama kids that decide to put on this, like this play essentially, or this show just to kind of drum up some interest and, you know, the whole drama club and all this good stuff, keep things moving. And so they put on this show in this movie theater about, I guess it's sort of like their own little slasher movie. And they have all these great little gimmicks. Like it's, I think they have it in mosquito vision and they have like the buzzing seats like they did in the tingler and smellovision vision and just all sorts of fun little gimmicky things that they do. and. But meanwhile, there is a real killer lurking in the shadows. Uh, but I really, I thought this movie was fun. I really enjoyed it. And the practical effects, I thought were a lot of fun. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with the making of Thriller. And specifically when they were in makeup and like messing with the latex and all that stuff. So it was just kind of made me think of that. And it was, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a lot of fun. Anyway, popcorn. You can watch it on Shudder. To be or AMC Plus. And I'll pass this to Paul. 
Why, thank you. I, I remember seeing that in the theater. I loved it. <laughs> nice. Um, what yeah, year is that from, like, Popcorn? 91. 91? Oh. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I came like this close. And I'm holding my fingers very close together to recommending it last week. So. No wow, way! That's funny. Yeah, no, yeah, because it's a good film. Well, awesome. I'm going to jump to my film, which, you know, my last film was about transgressive humor and the value of it and so forth. And my next film is a documentary about transgressive humor and the value of it. Though, Ooh. honestly, <laughs> this one is really more of a showcase. Um, it is The Aristocrats uh, by Penn Gillette of Penn and & Teller and oh, Paul Provenza. Oh, it is great. So if those who are not familiar with The Aristocrats, it is a joke that comedians tell amongst themselves. And it's really try to make the most disgusting, repulsive story you can possibly tell. And so it starts off where there's a, um, a town agent and a family comes in and they say, hey, we've got a new act for you. He said, sure, I want to show it to me. And then the comedians will basically try to tell the longest, most disgusting, repulsive, <laughs> offensive story you have ever heard. And then it ends. They wrap up, and the guy goes, well, that's great. What do you call your act? And they go, it's the aristocrats. Spoiler alert. So they have, like, over 100 comedians, I think, in this. And it is just amazing, just the variety of these um, <laughs> that are in here. It is, it's very funny, very, very very filthy, um, exceedingly filthy, um, but so much fun. It, it it goes a little into why they do it, but really it's just an excuse to interview a shitload of comedians and have them tell a really filthy joke, like really filthy. Um, but it's really fun, and it is uh, currently playing, well, Tubi's where I saw it, but you can catch it on Vudu, Crackle, Pluto TV, Freevee, a bunch of those. It's from 2005. Um, really fun stuff. Uh, really, really. I mean, some of them are. I mean, the, the point is to be repulsive, and oh my god, who is it? Some of them your are. Favorite version? Who told the best version, in your opinion? Oh, it's been a while since I saw it. Um, I do remember there was a, you know, our 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 friend Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. There was a one he did, like I think at the U Hefner roast, which I think was uh, kind of infamous. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's. It's it's a uh, it's pretty great. I mean, Silverman's um, was actually she's kind of hot or cold for me, but I love oh, her version was very. Well, I, yeah, her, she does a fun variation on it, though. Um, apparently, she got uh, sued by uh, Joe Franklin. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. Well, who for, had for basically sued by Joe yeah. Franklin at one point? Or Bob Saget. I remember this was before people oh realized God, Bob yes. Saget was filthy. Yeah. His yes. is, is really, and he's he's cracking himself up. He's like, oh my God, no, I'm ruining my reputation now, and it's it's pretty repulsive too. But it's a fun, it's a fun fun flick. So that's the Aristocrats on Tubi and wherever else fine free videos are sold. Ah, good stuff. All right. So I yeah. guess that's it. Do you have anything to sing us out with? I, I if I was good, I would have looked up songs from the Aristocrats. Yeah, and could have <laughs> sang out with that. But um, it, at this point, it's a uh, you know um, man. Uh, uh, it's been a rough evening. So, um, nah. I, I could tell you a version of the Aristocrats, but no, I think uh, I'll, I'll defer to Bill. He can sure, that... surely come up with one from, oh, the Hatchet Man. from the Hatchet Man. Yeah, sure. A theme song to the Hatchet Who Man. Barely has any uh, any sound, much less music. You know, bang bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer came down upon her head. Yeah. Did you? 
the weekend of January 20th, Bill recommended The Island of Lost Souls and The Hatchet Man. And good luck finding those. Paul recommended 2016's The Last Laugh, available on Tubi, Roku, Fandor, and Plex. And The Aristocrats, available on Tubi. I recommended Popcorn, available on Shudder, Tubi, and AMC+. And When a Stranger Calls Back, available on Tubi, Pluto, and Freebie. Now, Paul McCurry thought that was going to be a big hit. And uh, <laughs> John John thought he was crazy. But they, they spent a great deal of time getting that one right. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs, but no, it was never going to be a hit. 